You ready to study the scriptures? Get your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. That's where we'll start today. As you know, we're in a series called Do This, Not That. Uh, we started at the beginning of the year as a way to really prioritize what matters, what matters most, and uh, how to make sure that our lives are lining up with the scripture and what God wants us to do as his people. And so we're, we're, we're wrestling through these ideas. If you recall, the first week we talked about cultivating a hunger for God and uh, how important this is as a primary thing in our lives. And then week two was fight for your family. And then we did uh, make your money matter and how we deal with our money, how important that is. And then week four, we actually was uh, last week, Pastor Tom Lane shared with us, uh, from, and he talked about building a culture of community and how important that is for us in our church and in our personal lives. And then this week, I'm going to talk about taking care of your temple. I'm going to talk about taking care of your body. And then next week, we're going to talk about how important that is for us to make a disciple, be a disciple. I want to talk to you this morning about how we treat our bodies. And uh, there is a, there's a sense and a mentality that the, the body's not quite as important as, as other things in, in your relationship with God. But I, I kind of want to steer you in a different direction today. And so we start with Matthew 6.33, but let's pray uh, as we begin. Father, thank you for your word and that it gives us life. Thank you for the authority of the word. Let it go down it deep into our souls. Let it penetrate our minds. Change us. Transform us here in these moments as we share it together. In Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Above all else. What does that leave? <laughs> Seek the kingdom above all else. It doesn't mean just put it first, you know, pray, pray first, and then you can do whatever you want to. That's not what this means. He says, seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. We have to embrace the concept that we're seeking God's kingdom in every area of our lives. And in these six weeks that we've been talking about this, we're talking about making sure that the kingdom is alive and well in every aspect of our lives, whether it's our personal relationship with God or whether it's with our money or whether it's with our bodies. And so I, I think we're talking about seeking the kingdom and living righteously through every arena. And I think it's, it's important to understand that as humans, we've been created in a certain way. There are, there are appetites that we all have. Pastor Tom Lane shared a little bit with us at the men's retreat, and the men's retreat was so awesome. It was such a great time. And, uh, and he shared with us these ideas, and I'm, I'm, I just thought I'd share them with you. We're going we're gonna to do a whole series on these concepts, but they are appetites that God created you with. I want you to just look at them. About six appetites that we could identify that God's created us with, and the first would be food. <laughs> yes. So we have food, knowledge, we have a hunger and a thirst for knowledge, we have a thirst for getting, learning things, we have a, a thirst for intimacy, and, and we, we need to, we're going to do a whole series soon on sexuality because it's such a huge issue in our culture and, uh, and in, in our own personal lives. Pleasure, sometimes we live for just the pleasure of, uh, of our own hearts and our own bodies. 
um, status, purpose. Um, these are things that we long for that, that God put in our lives by design. Okay, these are all, these are all God-designed appetites. The problem is we tend to fill these appetites or feed these appetites with things that are not God-approved. So these appetites are God's design, but he has given us God-approved ways to fill these appetites. And when we use non-God-approved ways to feed our appetites, what happens is we start damaging ourselves. So you can, you can look at any of these appetites, and if we, if, we, if we fill them with the wrong things, we damage our bodies. And, and I think the, the reason we damage our bodies, I mean, multiple reasons here. Let's just look at a few causes that we might mistreat our bodies. Number one, we don't think we're valuable. Some, some people mistreat their body because they don't like themselves. They don't like how they look. They don't value what God has made, so they don't take care of it. That finds, I mean, that, that finds its way into every area of our lives, this low self-esteem. And by the way, the world has tried to fix this by just telling people that they're good. Right? You're, no, you're good. You're good. And listen, every person has value. But you've got to understand that God put that value in you, and he's the only one that can fulfill it. And, 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 and any other way, our self-esteem just is, if our self-esteem is damaged, it doesn't help to, to like fill that black hole of low self-esteem with you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. <laughs> I'm showing my age there. The second is we live for worldly pleasure. Sometimes we just live for this fleshly pleasure. We prioritize and pursue physical and emotional pleasure above all things. That means we lack discipline. We don't understand what discipline is. We don't understand the, the, what disciplining our bodies or, or disciplining our lives or becoming a disciple. Root word is discipline, a disciple. Uh, number three, we're busy. We're out of balance and we're always struggling with time management. Most people eat bad because of this reason right here. They're just so busy. It takes time to eat well. It takes time to exercise. And that's one of the most difficult things. And so we, we don't, here's the thing. The, the root of this issue is deeper than just not eating the right things or exercising. It's, an, it's not understanding and embracing the Sabbath rest that God has for us. What that means is making sure that you build margin into your lives. Margin, all right? You got to have a margin. You don't fill up the book with everything so much that you don't have any margin left for things that come up. So we got to figure out how not to be so busy and slow everything down and build uh, the Sabbath into our lives. Number four, we suffer with emotional pain. A lot of people have been damaged. We damage ourselves physically to relieve emotional pain sometimes. People enter into relationships damaged emotionally, and then they end up in intimacy that they shouldn't be engaged in, and it damages their soul. Often we're medicating something, medicating something in a non-God-approved way. We're not accepting the healing of God. We're medicating with something else. You can medicate with food. You can medicate with sex. You can medicate with pleasure. You can, you can do all these things that are not God-approved, and you'll still struggle. Number five, we don't know our purpose. Sometimes we damage our bodies because we don't know our purpose. We are not in touch with God's desire or design for our lives. So he mistreated us. So we got to look to the scriptures and we got to ask ourselves this question, 
How does God want us to feed these appetites? And I think especially these appetites that have to do with our basic bodies. And, and, and so I remember, I remember the first time that I felt like I was really old. Do you remember the first time you felt like you were getting older? It happened to me on a football field. I was, it happened last weekend at the men's retreat. I got pummeled by uh, Kyle Mozingo and Tom Fedorko. I was, they, they, those two guys, they were like serious business. I was, I mean, I'm older. So I got I was trying to like stay away from all the action. I was, I was like, oh, I'll be the quarterback. I'll just stand behind and throw it. But man, these two guys came up and busted my glasses in two. Yeah, just busted my glasses off. I ended up with a, a shoe print on my shoulder. Yeah, I was looking in the mirror. I was like, something's on my shoulder and afterwards. And I was like, what? And it was the, the printout of, a sh- of shoe tread on my shoulder. Anyway, it was crazy. But I remember the first time this happened to me. I was 36 years old, and I was playing football. I was playing flag football in something called the Ice Bowl. We were in, living in Colorado, and, and it was a round-robin tournament, and they had all these teams from all over the place. And, and they had all, a lot of young teams, right? And I was 36 and not old. I mean, that's young. It's getting younger all the time. Uh, but I was, <laughs> I were playing with all these college students and, 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 and uh, Air Force Academy guys who were huge, and it was crazy. So I, I'm playing quarterback, and we played three games, I think. And we won one and lost two, and we got thrown out of the tournament. And so I, I woke up the next day, though, and I was stiff as a board. <laughs> I mean, I, it's like I couldn't get out of bed. I was like, oh, man, I really overdid it. I mean, so, this, is, this is bad. I, I got to stop doing this. I got I to gotta work out. I got to do something. I'd never had to, I've never really had to work out. I've always been kind of skinny. Some would call it scrawny. <laughs> That's no longer the case. Um, I got a little something-something here. I need to, <laughs> need, need to work on it. But I remember it was day five, and I was still hurting. Day six, I was so concerned. I was like, something's wrong with my body. Like, so, these things aren't working right. This, this isn't, something's really bad. So I called my doctor, and I, and, I, and I got a hold of him. He called me back, and I said, something is really, I don't know what's going on. Help me figure this out. And he, he asked a few questions, and, and I told him what was going on, and, and he kind of interviewed me and said, well, do you have this? I said, no, do you have this? Yes. But, and then he finally said, okay, well, I think... I think I got good news and bad news for you. <laughs> the good news is you're going to be fine. He said, the bad news is you're getting older. <laughs> I, said, I said, this cannot be how getting old actually feels. And he said, no, it gets worse. <laughs> it gets worse the older you get, and I can testify to that. It is something that happens to your body when you don't treat it well. When you're not making sure that it is all that it can be. And really, there are causes for the mistreatment of our body. There are root causes, all right? It's not just, a, it's not just a, always a decision. Sometimes there are root causes we can't quite identify. I want to visit a couple of those. Number one, we don't think we're valuable sometimes. We, don't tr- we mistreat our bodies when we don't think we're valuable. We don't like ourselves. We don't, we don't value what God made, so we mistreat it. We mistreat it with food, we mistreat it with sex, we mistreat it with, other, with drugs or things like that. We don't understand the value. This is a self-esteem issue, isn't it? Our culture is a self-esteem culture. 
And you can't build a person's self-esteem by telling them how good they are all the time. It has to happen when you finally understand your value before God. That's the only way it really becomes strong and healthy. We live for worldly pleasure sometimes, and we don't even realize it. We prioritize and we pursue everything that gives us pleasure. We never, we never do anything that gives us pain. I heard a guy say one time, I used to work out, but it's painful, so I don't do that anymore. <laughs> right? This is, that's, that's an incorrect way. To, you, you never learn discipline if, you, if, if all you ever seek out is pleasure. Uh, the next one is we're busy. Most of the reason that we in this room mistreat our bodies because we're too busy. We don't have a schedule. We, we struggle with our time management. We eat food um, faster than it should be eaten. <laughs> in other words, we eat more fast food than we should. Um, we, we don't understand the Sabbath. We don't, have a, we don't have a way of living that builds margin into our lives, and so we're always rushing. And so we cut corners. We cut corners in taking care of our body because it's the easiest place to do it. The next one is we suffer emotional pain. We suffer with emotional pain. A lot of people have pain deep in their souls and they, they damage themselves physically to relieve emotional pain. People, people have a connection intimately with another person and then they go on to the next person that they date and they have another intimate connection and then another intimate connection and then another, and, and before you know it, their soul is damaged because they haven't lived in a way that is God approved. Having sex outside of marriage is not God's design. And it, and it damages us. Now, God, I am thank God he's the healer, right? But, 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 the, but the deal is, you, if you live in a way that you're always medicating something, some emotional pain, people overeat because of emotional pain that they're trying to cover up. And so I think we have to, we have to really settle ourselves with understanding these root causes and then begin to see what the Bible says about us, we don't know our purpose would be the last one. The, we, we damage our bodies or we mistreat our bodies because we don't know what God created us for. There's nothing worse than a purposeless person who just meanders through life and finds whatever they find to do and they just never find their purpose and they're drawn into all kinds of things that really hurt them. And so we've got to discover God's design and and here's the thing that you have to settle. God is interested in your health. In your health, the health of your body. Often, Christians especially, will uh, take spiritual things and they will elevate them above all the physical things. They will say, well, we're just seeking uh, a realm that is spiritual and, and all the physical stuff really doesn't matter. Now, we would never probably say it that directly, but I think we imply it. And in fact, that's a hundreds of year old uh, way of looking at life. Hundreds and hundreds of years, the Gnostics have looked at life in this way. Spiritual things are to be striven for, strive for, and, and physical things are, are all create bad things in your life. So you avoid the physical, you try to get in touch with the spiritual, but that's, this is not Christianity. Christianity is the integration of the sacred and the secular. Christianity is the integration of the spiritual and the physical. 
And here's, here's one large proof that helps you to know this. Jesus came in the flesh. God himself, the son of God, came 100% divine. He became 100% human in a miraculous moment of God putting this life in a, a, a 15-year-old girl named Mary who had a virgin birth. And he, 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 he came upon the scene of the world to demonstrate who God was and that he had miraculous power and that he wanted a relationship with us. And he came through a family line of people that God had been working with for centuries. And this was his plan and his purpose. Make no mistake, God created the world in perfect order. Sin and disobedience have corrupted it. And now we're trying to recapture it and restore it. God is interested in restoring and he sent Jesus to prove it. This incarnation, all right, incarnate, God incarnate, in flesh, all right, incarnate, chili con carne, it's... It's, it means with meat, with flesh. It's really true. It's true. You guys will all be thinking about chili the rest of the service. So, so here's the thing. God's desires for us are deeply intertwined in our physical reality. That's why, that's why the Bible is so thick. It has, thank you. It has a lot to say, it has a lot to say about how we live, right? So I think it's important to understand this, that Jesus himself is our best illustration of this concept. And I want to give you three things, three entities, three aspects that he was named in the scripture. So if you have your notes, get out a pen and start writing notes. Jesus is described as a temple, a sacrifice, and a priest. He was described as a temple, a sacrifice, and a priest. I'll just read the scriptures to you real quickly. I'll throw them up on the screen and you can follow along with me. You can write down the references for study later. But the temple, John 2, 2 19 through 22, Jesus says, all right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. What, they exclaimed, it has been taken, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you can rebuild it in three days? Here's the funny thing, he could have. They just missed his point. Verse 21 says, but when Jesus said, this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered he had said this, and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. Here, Jesus is giving us a foreshadowing, if you will. In the story, it's a foreshadow of what Paul, the apostle, would call us as temples of the Holy Spirit. The scripture teaches that Jesus was the firstborn among many brothers. He was the first one to be born of the Spirit, the God's Spirit dwelled inside of him. He was also a sacrifice. Romans 3.25 says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now to us, this in our culture, we're a, a few steps removed from a culture of sacrifice. If you go around the world, you'll see it. You'll see people sacrificing goats and bulls and all kinds of things. All the things we saw, you see in the Old Testament. They're still living in a way, trying to appease the gods that they serve. But, but the, the, the reason I bring this up is because the people that heard 
Jesus described this way would have had a vivid picture of a lamb being slaughtered. Because where sin had been, uh, a violation of sin had, had happened, there was only one way that it could be covered, and that was by blood. And thus the sacrificial lamb and the blood and the, the, the people who heard the Apostle Paul speaking about Jesus, they would have had a vivid picture of people sacrificing a lamb on an altar, laying their hands on that lamb's head or that goat's head and, and, and transferring the sin of their own lives in the provision that God had required and set up. So what happened was God provided a sacrificial lamb. Hebrews says, once and for all. He took care of all sins. No longer do we sacrifice bulls and goats to, for the blood to cover our sins. Now our sins are washed away and Jesus is that sacrifice. And it's a picture for us. And one more thing, if the, if the temple and the sacrifice are the, the what, then the why is that Jesus was called a priest. The priest is the why. It's the, he, he was called to be a priest. He was called to mediate between God and man. He was the one and the only who needed to, to mediate, be an advocate between God and man. Sin had separated us. God put him there as a priest. Look what Hebrews 8, 6 says. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. We live in an age and a day when the old covenant has such value in understanding who God is and where we've come from. But the New Testament gives us a new covenant bet, uh, based on better promises because what, who Jesus is, here's, here's the secret, who Jesus is, he wants to make us into. Jesus is the, the, the template. Jesus is the one we follow. Jesus is the one. God created man and, and woman in his image. Now Jesus wants us to be created in his image, recreated in his image. That's the power of the idea. And the way, we, the way we deal with our body lines up with the way he wants us to follow him or it doesn't. Did you, ever, did you hear about this guy that did 90 days eating at McDonald's? Just recent, just recently, all right? You remember the Super Size Me documentary and that was a big deal and that guy, 30, 30 days, he ate nothing but McDonald's, right? And he ate all this junk and he got really sick and was awful. Well, this guy is a science teacher in Iowa. And he wanted to do an experiment with his class because he was trying to teach them something. So he decided, he, they set up this whole uh, elaborate plan to study him, himself, his body, as he went to McDonald's every day from a scientific point of view. And they got a McDonald's to give him all the free food. And so they did this whole thing in this community in Iowa. And he, he ended up losing 37 pounds in 90 days, only eating at McDonald's. His, uh, his cholesterol level went down by 79 points. Eating at McDonald's. Here was the science experiment. Could you go to McDonald's in, for 90 days and, and not let the, 
the bad food affect you? And here's, here was the big, here's the, his big revelation. You can go to McDonald's. What it de- is dependent on is your choices at McDonald's. McDonald's isn't the problem. It's your choices. It's you standing there at the counter and choosing the worst thing for you. That's a pretty amazing concept when, you, when it comes right down to it. He was teaching all those students that you, you have a choice to make. That as you decide what your life is going to be like, your body reaps the repercussions, the, benef- the, the benefits or the destruction. And so we've got to decide if we're going to line our lives up with the image of Jesus. So look, look at this. The Bible uses the same descriptions of Jesus to define us. The, three, the same three descriptions, they define us. Jesus was a temple, he was a sacrifice, and he was the priest. Look at how the Bible defines each of us as a temple. 1 Corinthians six nineteen, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Say that with me. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are the house of the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us when we give our lives to Christ, when we follow him, when we have faith in God, when we choose to trust him, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within us. This is a much better plan than Jesus by himself running around the earth doing miracles. Right? He left and he told his disciples, when I leave, something better's coming. It's a counselor, it's a comforter, it's a helper. God's plan was to put his spirit inside of each one of us. Millions of believers roaming the earth, praying for people, doing miracles, seeing God do something, him whispering to them and him leading them through life. That was God's plan. You're a temple. You're his temple. It's where worship happens all week long. Worship cannot be defined to this little room as sweet and nice as it is. It is a temple, is a place of worship. It, you must worship him. You must, and do you know this? The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will not force his way in. You have to accept him. You have to give him permission. He will not force his way through. He's, he'll always run after you, but he won't force his way. And, and there's a thing here that we've all got to settle that we're going to surrender to him. He comes where he's welcome. So when you do things that are, are disappointing to him, You can do things that will grieve him, the Bible says. Ephesians 4 says that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And as we grieve the Holy Spirit, we lessen his influence. As we obey the scriptures, as we share with one another, as we we engage in a relationship with God, as we, the way we treat other people, it all helps determine whether or not the influence of the Holy Spirit is encouraged or discouraged. When we pray, the Holy Spirit activity begins. If we choose not to pray, less Holy Spirit activity. It's a deal. This is God's desire. This is God's plan, though. We belong to God for his habitation. We can either either be a house or a home. You know the difference between a house and a home? It's like when you go buy your house or you bought your house or you were looking to rent a house and you, and you walked through it and it didn't have any of your stuff in it and it was all bare and no, uh, no furniture and the wall, no pictures on the wall. And then, then there's something that transforms a house. 
and you suddenly, you put all your stuff in it, and you got all your pictures, and pictures of your kids, and pictures of grandma, and, and there it is. It becomes a home. This is what I fear is happening to so many people. Like in Austin, there's a, this is a recreational culture. It's, it is awesome to go to Town Lake and see people any day of the week just running, running down that trail. But here's what I fear. They're just focusing on the house, and no one lives there. All their energy is being focused on, on making sure the house looks good. And before you know it, that's their idol. That's the thing they serve. They serve a house, and they don't make a home for God, which is, was his design. So we, we, here's what you have to do. We have to realize that we rent the home. We don't own it. You rent the home. You don't own it. It's not yours. This verse here, right, right here, uh, that we just read about 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it said, it said, you were bought at a price. Jesus paid for you. You're not your own. You can't do whatever you want. You're, you, he bought you so that you could surrender your life to him. Remember, you don't own the home. You rent it. So the owner decides what will be done with the house. Thank you. The second is sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. The sacrifice, Romans 12, 1. Here's the picture that we have of us. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, Paul says, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, everybody say bodies. Offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is how worship is done, is you offer everything in your body to him. And we have to live as an offering. We have to live as an offering. And this is hard to do unless you understand God's authority and, and God's love together. Um, that he, you have to settle that he is the creator of all things. He is the maker of all things. He is the master of all. You, once you settle that, then you're sort of willing to give your life to him in total. But often we don't settle that he's Lord. We don't really see his authority in our lives. And, and if we don't understand his love, then sometimes we just, I mean, it's very hard for us to give everything. Uh, we do it out of duty or we do it out of legalism, and that doesn't help either. But if we live as an offering, like we're just offering our lives because of his goodness, because he's in charge, that's a much better way to live. We live we leave it, we don't live it, we leave it all on the altar. In the Old Testament, they would have been, it would have been a very clear picture of an altar with rocks heaped up, and then you put an animal on it, and you slaughter that animal on that altar, and it burns up. The problem with you and me is we're living sacrifices, so, so we get off the altar, we come to church, we're like, oh, God, I have to give you everything. I just give you my whole life. Just take it, burn it all up. It's, it's yours. And then later this week, it's like, uh, I kind of want that donut. It's about choices, people. It's not like you can't ever have donuts. Yeah, later in the service. I mean, we had donuts and coffee out here. The issue, the issue, the issue is... The issue is, it's a Super Bowl Sunday. It's a perfect Sunday for this all to fall on, right? Right, you guys are going to go eat horrible this afternoon, right? Okay, it's okay. You can make that choice. You just have other choices to make as well, which is you're going to have to run another mile. 
It's true. It's life is a series of choices and trade-offs, and we got to understand that so that our bodies will be healthy and fruitful. So we leave it all on the altar. We love God with all that we have. We surrender in every area. We try not to pick and choose. We, we, we surrender everything. And here's, here's, here's what I think. I think we've got to settle the fact that God sets us down at his table. He doesn't send us to a buffet to pick out which, which verses we want to keep and which verses we don't. It's not a buffet. He's serving us at a table. And, and when we understand that, then we begin to see ourselves as a sacrifice. It's sacrificial living. The third thing that, we're, that we look like in the scriptures that we're patterning our lives after Jesus is the priest. The priest, 1 Peter 2.9, of course. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're a group of priests. In the Old Testament, they had a, a, a priest who would take care of the temple and who would process the sacrifices for the people. A person that would talk to God for them. That's no longer required because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Hebrews says he was the sacrifice once and for all. And so now we have been made a kingdom of priests, a nation of priests, a nation who are who's specially called out by God. And he's calling people out all over the world to become priests before him. And so here it is, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful life, wonderful light. Look at this. We are chosen. We are chosen by God and called out. Here's the crazy thing. Chosen by God and called out of the world, called out of the place where we were, just to be cleaned up, healed up, and then sent back in. You got to be a priest in the world you live in. God's relying on you to be a special possession, the special person that he's using to speak into other people's lives. You are called especially into a a relationship with him. We, We choose consecration. We choose to be consecrated. You understand this? We choose to consecrate our lives to God. He doesn't force us or make us. We choose consecration to live especially attentive to God in every area of our lives. We choose to lead. We're God's instruments and voices to influence others. So, so what is this? What's the purpose? What, how does this work? Here's the big point. There are reasons why we must live in a healthy way, all right? One reason might be credibility. You know, when you, when you live well, others see it and it speaks to them, right? If, if, if you don't live well, if your relationships are all out of whack, if, you're, if, if you don't eat right and your body's all messed, it, there's, there's a credibility problem, isn't there? I don't care what, whether you're a Christian or not, there still is a credibility problem about what kind of person you are. Another reason might be to optimization. I need, I need to function as good as, as well as I can. I need, I need my body to be a highly functioning machine so I can get all kinds of stuff done. That's a, that's a fine reason. But here's, here's the fundamental purpose. You've got to be healthy as a believer. You have to be healthy as a believer because you are called to a purpose. And it is the purpose of God that you should be concerned about living out in your body. Taking care of our bodies is a stewardship issue, 
that impacts accomplishing God's purpose. Taking care of our bodies is a stewardship issue that impacts everything we do to accomplish God's purposes within us, his desire in us. The mistreatment of our body results in short-circuiting God's purpose. The mistreatment of our body, we can't short-circuit God's purpose for your life. Tell me what the difference is between a man that commits suicide in midlife somewhere and the man who spent 20 years ruining his body by eating horrible food and neglecting exercise. There's a thing here that we have to settle that, that both, those are more similar than we'd like to acknowledge. There's a, there's, a, there's a process here where we're either filling our lives with life and light or we're ruining our bodies. But the reason that we've got to pay attention to this is because God has a purpose and you don't want to short circuit the purpose. You don't want to cut short the purpose of God that he has planned for you and for me. This is, listen, we're going to get to the end of all this and then we'll die and then God will give us a new one, a new body. And there's some Christians who say, it doesn't matter how I treat this body because I'm getting a new one. No, it's not true. While we're here on this earth, he has a plan and prepared for you and he wants you to obey him and he wants you to integrate his spirit into your life. And that means into your body. Have you ever seen The Biggest Loser? This show, such a great show. I, I, I like this show because um, I think it, it's so amazing the transformation that happens to people. But what do they say when they're talking? They're interviewing them, right? They're wearing those horrible spandex outfits. And they're, and they're, and they're, and they're sitting there and they're talking. They're like, I want to I see my kids grow up. I want to be there for graduation. Yeah, you know why? Because it's real. Because they might not see their kids if they keep living the life the way they're living. This revelation comes to them, but it should come to each one of us in the form of God's purpose for our lives. Let's not cut years off of our lives. Let's make sure that we're taking care of our bodies. So here's a few really practical things. Ready? Practical things to be called by God's purpose regarding food and exercise. We're going to do a whole other series on, on intimacy and uh, some of these other areas. But regarding food and exercise, let, let's look at it. See food as fuel instead of a reward or celebration or medication. See food as fuel for your body instead of a reward <laughs> or celebration, or medication. People, people reward themselves, right? They reward, oh, I, I ran five miles. Awesome, now I can eat all the donuts I want. No, you'll have to run that off tomorrow. <laughs> it's a, there's a trade-off, but if you see your body as, as receiving fuel through food, then you think differently about how the food works. Uh, it's not a celebration. It's not a, a medication. I'm so grateful God gave us taste buds and he let us taste good things. But, but like we said, uh, I said at the first Sunday we were talking about this, is you start to, whatever you consume, that's what you start to crave. So if you eat poorly, you'll start to crave that. And cravings, we would start to qualify as um, non-God approved ways that we fill our lives, that we treat, deal with these appetites. Anyway, see food as fuel, all right? Eat more brightly colored live food instead of processed pale dead food. The color of the food kind of makes a difference. If you just be drawn to the colorful food, that's really going to be good for you. The, the, the pale, uh, dead food is not necessarily 
good for you. It's not that you can't live on pale dead food. You can for a while, just not forever. Here's the thing here. I was thinking about manna. Think about this. Manna was provided for the children of Israel in the wilderness when God was leading them through the wilderness. And, and so he, he prov- provided for them each day, but what happened at the end of the day to that manna? It rotted. It was only good for one day. It was good for two days the day before the Sabbath. What a miracle. He was teaching them about margin, and he was teaching them about relying on him. Right, so, but he provides manna. So I've had this thought. So the primary thing he was trying to teach them was to rely on him every day. But a secondary thought might be that food that only lasts a day is better for you. In fact, the food that rots most quickly is the food that most, is most healthy for you. And the food that you can store for a really long time, not as healthy. Anything you can buy in a box, eh. It's an interesting idea. Anyway, uh, the next point is eat smaller portions. Smaller portions. I go out with my wife for dinner. Uh, we uh, eat dinner out a lot with people and stuff like that. And so we always try to split a meal, except that I want what I want. So I'll say, I'll say like, uh, she'll, uh, I'll say what I have, and I'll say, baby, what do you want? And she'll be like, oh, I, I don't need anything. I'll just have some of yours. I'm like, no, you won't. <laughs> Do, what, do you want something or what? And, and so I, I got to learn to just eat. My eyes are always too big for my stomach. If I would just eat smaller portions, in the land of uh, American super me culture, we can eat half of every plate. In fact, there's really great benefits to that, not only to your body, but to your spirit, to your finances. You, you, you pay for less. It's all good. Exercise. Here it is. Exercise. Get your heart rate up to 80% above its resting rate for 20 minutes, three, times, three to five times per week. Target heart rate is 80%, between 80 and 100% of your resting heart rate. Right? So you've got to learn how to do your heart rate. and get, You've got to move. You've got aerobic exercises. We've all got to move. We've got to run. We've got to do anything. It doesn't matter what it is. The best exercise for you to do is the exercise you will do. So just keep picking new things to do every time you fall off the wagon. That's what I do. We did Power 90 for a while. Then I was running for the half marathon. And, and then there was a thing my, my son was doing. He was into P90X and insanity and all that. So I couldn't even. I, that was impossible for me. But you just, got, you just got to choose. Choose the thing that you will do. If it's walking every night, choose that. Get yourself moving. All right. Gravity ultimately wins. Gravity ultimately wins. Gravity is winning the war right now. It's pulling everything down. Things that used to be up are now down. And there's like, there's muscles you have to be worked out in order to hold your spine uh, up straight and your back. Don't slouch. Don't slump. You got to work, you got to work your muscles in order to do that. And then find a partner. Find a partner but commit to go it alone. Now here's why. Because it's really only your choice. No one can force you. You gotta choose to make your life a sacrifice. You gotta choose to see yourself as the temple of God. You have to choose to be willing to be God's special possession as a priest. So close your eyes, bow your head, and let's pray. And I want you to 
I want you to consider what God might be saying to you now in this moment. What is he asking of you maybe? What, what, what do you sense that the Holy Spirit might be saying to you about your lifestyle, whether or not you have some of these issues regarding food or exercise? Maybe it's just a whole way of looking at life and you need to integrate your spiritual life in a greater measure to your physical life, to your work to your life with others, to your family. I'm not going to embarrass anyone or call anyone forward, but I, I, I want you to think about this giving your life away to God. Some of you are here and you, you, really, you really haven't been anywhere near Him. You haven't really been following Christ. You, you haven't been in a place where you've been willing to yield your life to Him. And today's your day. Today's, this is your moment for, to commit your life to him and say, yes, God, take over. I'm sorry for holding myself back from you. I want to give my life fully, completely. Every area, I want to give it up. I need you. My way is not working. My plan is not working well. I need your plan. Some of the rest of you are wrestling with how you live your life. You believe in Jesus, you love him, but he somehow isn't Lord over areas of your life. And I want you to, in, your, in this moment, to give your life to him. To recommit, if you will, everything. To surrender everything. And I wonder if all over the room, everyone across the room would join me in this prayer. No matter what camp you're in, this is a moment for letting Jesus take over. So come on, pray with me. Everybody across the room, say, Heavenly Father. I'm going to say it again. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus who shows us how to live, to be a temple, to be a sacrifice, to be a priest. You've called us. Thank you. Now forgive us. Forgive me for failing, for doing my own thing, doing whatever I want to. Forgive me for sinful behavior. Forgive me for not following you. I choose you today. Take over my life. I surrender to you. Let me be your temple. Come and dwell in me. Let me be your sacrifice. I give myself completely. I am your special possession. And I thank you for that relationship. Thank you, Jesus. All over the room, we just thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for healing. We thank you for cleansing. We thank you for giving us the grace we need. We thank you for alerting our attention to the areas of our lives that need energy and focus. We pray that you would give us the possibility, the opportunity, the favor that we need to walk out of this room and to obey you and follow you. Thank you for that today, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray these things.